to the Lord, glory to the Lord, Almighty, glory to the King, Most High, glory be to God, forever, oh glory to the scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem 
God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Oh, 
something was missing. One of my favorite Christmas stories to watch with my kids when they were little was Home Alone. The story centers around the McAllister family who, along with many of their extended family members, are preparing to spend Christmas in Paris. During dinner, the youngest son, Kevin, is misbehaving and is sent to spend the night in the bedroom in the attic uh, as punishment to keep him from the rest of the family. During the night, heavy winds damaged the power lines, which caused a power outage and reset the alarm clocks, causing the family to oversleep. In the confusion and rush to get to the airport, Kevin is accidentally left behind. And it's only mid-flight to Paris that Kevin's mom realizes that something Someone is missing. 
What's the matter? Honey? Feeling. About what? That we didn't do something. Ah, now you feel that way because we left in such a hurry. We took care of everything. Believe me, we did. Did I turn off the coffee? No. I did. Did you lock up? Yeah. Did you close the garage? That's it. I forgot to close the garage. That's it. not it. What else could we be forgetting? Kevin! Today is Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost Sunday reminds us of the importance of the empowering of the Holy Spirit in carrying out the mission of Jesus, the mission of the kingdom of God. The disciples had witnessed miraculous things. They'd been taught profound truth. They witnessed the life of Jesus up close and personal. Yet something was missing that would hinder them from effectively carrying out the mission that Jesus had called them to. Just as Jesus' ministry was empowered by the Holy Spirit, his followers also needed the empowering of the Holy Spirit to carry on his ministry in his absence. Pentecost Sunday reminds us that as followers of Jesus, we are able to effectively carry on Jesus' mission when we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. The first thing I want us to consider today is promise. Last week, we were reminded that Luke and Acts are two volumes of one account, that Acts is actually the sequel, if you will, to Luke. In volume one, the Gospel of Luke, Luke records the account of Jesus' ministry, a ministry that was empowered by the Holy Spirit. In volume two, in Acts of the Apostles, Luke records the account of the ministry of the followers of Jesus, who too are empowered by the same Holy Spirit as they carry on the ministry that Jesus began. Luke begins Acts by referring to his former book, the Gospel of Luke. He sees his gospel as a recording of all that Jesus began to do and teach until he was taken up to heaven. Even though the earthly life of Jesus had ended, Luke did not see this as the completion of Jesus' ministry on earth. In fact, for Luke, it is just the beginning. Luke records that the ministry of Jesus began with the anointing and the empowering of the Holy Spirit at the River Jordan when Jesus was baptized by John. Now, his followers must also be empowered by the Holy Spirit to carry on what he began. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, Luke records that on one occasion, while he, Jesus, was eating with them, his followers, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. 
For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. A few verses later in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Luke records the promise of Jesus to his followers. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The primary focus of the ministry of Jesus in Luke's gospel will now become the primary focus of his followers' ministry in the book of Acts, which is the mission of the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit's empowering was mandatory for the mission of Jesus to continue on. It is the Holy Spirit that will make the future mission of Jesus possible. The Holy Spirit will provide the necessary power to be his witnesses, to carry on the message of the kingdom, and to make disciples of Jesus. Luke is establishing in this transition chapter of Acts that the church is not just the product of the mission of Jesus, but the church is the partner in carrying on the mission of Jesus because of the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, we see obedience. Luke records that Jesus' followers left the Mount of Olives immediately following Jesus' ascension into heaven and went directly to Jerusalem. It was nearing the time for the Feast of Pentecost, which was celebrated 50 days following Passover. Penta meaning 50. Jews within walking distance of home would return to their homes after Passover, and they would come back to celebrate Pentecost in Jerusalem at the later date. Those who lived far away would stay and wait because it was just too far to travel. Even though Jesus' followers lived close enough to Jerusalem to leave and then return, they stayed because Jesus had asked them not to leave, and in obedience, they did exactly what he asked. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were together, all of them, about 120 of them in total. Now, most buildings at this time would not have had the space to accommodate that many people, and the fact that others came to see what was happening suggests that the group was easily accessible. And so for this reason, many biblical scholars believe that the group was gathered in the general meeting area of the temple, where many groups often met with their rabbis on a regular basis. It makes sense that they would be at the temple to celebrate Pentecost, but it also makes sense that some Jews from other nations would be there as well as part of their pilgrimage to the festival. In Acts chapter 2, we read about the promise of Jesus being fulfilled. Suddenly, at around 9 a.m., there was a sound of a violent wind from heaven that filled the room, and those present saw what seemed to be fire that rested on each of them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, in God-inspired language. Now, note that there was both audio and visual signs, the sound of wind and the languages, and the sight of the fire. If we reflect back to Jesus' anointing 
by the Holy Spirit in Luke's gospel, we see that the heavens opened and the Spirit descended bodily like a dove. There was a visual. But then God spoke and said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. There was also audio. There was also divine speech. I believe that Luke deliberately sets out to parallel these two events to show that the followers of Jesus are being prepared to carry on his ministry. Jesus had commanded his followers to wait in Jerusalem. He promised that they would be empowered by the Holy Spirit. He promised that they would carry on his ministry. Because his followers responded in obedience and did exactly as he asked, they saw the promise of Jesus realized and fulfilled in their lives. And thirdly, we see response. Jews who had been dispersed to other nations and spoke and understood the languages of these nations that they lived in were present during this outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem, and they heard this group of Galileans speaking in languages that were reflective of the countries that they were living in. And so they were baffled. How was this possible? These Galileans had never been exposed to these other cultures. They had never learned a language. These Galileans were uneducated. Yet somehow they could speak languages that they never learned. And so they came to the conclusion that they must be drunk. Because we all know that one of the side effects of way too much alcohol is the ability to speak another language. It's important to note that this is the only place in Scripture where the tongues spoken following the outpouring of the Holy Spirit were intelligible. Now, some who observed what was happening asked Jesus' followers, what does this mean? What, what's going on here? And so Peter explained what was happening. Quoting Joel's prophecy about the Holy Spirit being poured out in the last days, for Jews, the last days was the time period after the coming of the Messiah. And then Peter segued into preaching about Jesus after explaining Joel's prophecy, exercising now his newfound power to witness. The pattern of Peter's sermon is a similar outline that we see often in the book of Acts and in the early church. The last days had arrived because of the ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus was now seated at the right hand of God because of the resurrection as Messiah and King. The Holy Spirit's empowering was a sign that Jesus was still present in power and glory through the lives of his followers, that Jesus was coming back again, and that event would bring the last days to completion. It always ended, all of these sermons, with an appeal for repentance, the offer of forgiveness, the promise of salvation, and the empowering of the Holy Spirit to carry on Jesus' ministry. Jesus was no longer physically with them, yet he remained central to their proclamation. And their response was, Luke tells us, they were cut to the heart. They were convicted and they said, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized 
in the name of Jesus. You see, whose name you were baptized into indicated whose follower you were. To be baptized in Jesus' name meant to publicly declare that you were a follower of Jesus. Luke established early in his sequel that the mission of Jesus had been successfully transferred to his followers, who, like Jesus, were anointed with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the mission would begin in Jerusalem and go out from there even to the extreme of the Gentile world. And the book of Acts traces this journey of the mission, starting in Jerusalem and ultimately ending in Rome, which was considered the seat of the Gentile world. Now, there are two reminders that I would like to highlight from our scripture today. The first is Pentecost is personal. There is no question that the Holy Spirit impacts and shapes our corporate gatherings as believers when we come together as the body of Christ. Now, while this is a very important aspect of our faith, we cannot lose sight of the individual impact of the Holy Spirit in our lives. As believers in Jesus, we all have a unique story, a unique journey of faith of how we got to where we are today. We come from different backgrounds, different experiences, different education, different countries, different hardships. And sometimes within the context of the church, it seems that we want to make everybody exactly the same. But the strength of the church is that we are a body and each of us is a different part. And so really diversity is our strength. God has promised to personally save us, personally fill us with his Holy Spirit, and personally enable us to fulfill his mission of reaching others for him. Now, sometimes like the followers of Jesus in the early church, God allows difficulties, challenges, hardships, yes, even persecution to come into our lives in order to lead us where he wants to take us so we can accomplish what he wants to do in us and through us. It's important for us to come to the understanding that where the journey leads us is not really the most important issue. It's who is leading the journey. And the one leading the journey should be the Holy Spirit. So every day, our prayer should be one of desire and commitment to be available to be used of God as the Holy Spirit leads us, despite what's happening in our lives. If we are willing to commit to the journey the Holy Spirit is faithful to empower us, to lead us along the way, and his timing is perfect. The Holy Spirit will arrange opportunities for us to encounter the lives of other people. And as the Holy Spirit leads us to people, we need to assume that God is already at work in that person's life long before we ever meet them. And we need to seek to be led 
by the Spirit so that we can be used of God to carry out the work that he's already begun. The Holy Spirit will show us what to do. The Holy Spirit will give us what to say. The Holy Spirit will direct us how to act. He knows exactly what is happening in each and every person. Folks, Pentecost is personal. The Holy Spirit empowers and leads us as individuals to accomplish the mission of Jesus. Secondly, don't lose focus. We live in a time when most Canadians do not have any history with the church. In fact, most of them have no interest in going to church for the most part. In an attempt to grow, many churches have shifted, I believe, from seeking the empowering of the Holy Spirit for mission to instead relying on programs, production, technology, talent. Believing that creating the right environment will entice people to come. Now, these are tools that the Holy Spirit can use. There's no question. But sadly, for the most part, they tend to be substitutes for the Holy Spirit rather than the tools that the Holy Spirit can work through. Now, speaking honestly, it has been my observation that we are quick to complain within the context of the church about changes in ministry format, changes to programs, changes to personnel, changes to technology, changes to even recently attendance restrictions. Most of the issues in churches are not fought over about what we believe the mission to be. They are fought over the tools, the methods, the models that we use to attempt to fulfill the mission. I guess what I'm saying is this. I wish that we could be as passionate about the Holy Spirit's work in empowering us for mission as we are for protecting the model of ministry that is so tied to programs and formats and personnel and technology. We need the empowering of the Holy Spirit today as much perhaps even more than we have ever needed it in the history of the church. We need the empowering of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's moving will impact us when we gather, but will also impact us as we scatter to carry out the mission through our individual lives. As followers of Jesus, I believe we need a renewed passion for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. So in conclusion today, Pentecost Sunday reminds us of the importance of the empowering of the Holy Spirit in carrying out the mission of Jesus, the mission of the kingdom of God. Just as Jesus' ministry and the ministry of his followers were empowered by his Holy Spirit, we also need the empowering of the Holy Spirit as we continue to carry on Jesus' ministry. 
Pentecost Sunday reminds us that as followers of Jesus, we are able to effectively carry on Jesus' mission when we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. me mm-hmm.